We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. And welcome back. As you can hear, it's Halloween season, a time to have some fun with ghosts, goblins, and hauntings. Do you believe in any of that stuff? Well, some of us take it a little more seriously than others, and one such person is Patrick Dorsey. He is the author of Haunted in Webster Groves. Let's find out if he is a believer. Pat, welcome. Nice to have you here. Thank you for having me on. Are you a believer? You believe in ghosts? I believe the people I've talked with definitely have experienced, you know, whatever they experience, they definitely believe they experienced it. Um, I think there's something going on. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there's too many people that have seen too many things, experienced too many things that I don't think something's happening for sure. Uh, have they seen ghosts? Some people have, yes, absolutely. And what do they tell you they look like? Uh, a few stories I've heard were people that have seen a, uh, one woman saw a, a figure of a woman in an antique dress. I've heard that description a couple of times in stories where a, a figure in, in outdated clothes appears. Uh, I've heard another story uh, from Webster University about a shadowy figure. People say it's a nun. Um, I think that's because they're looking at it. It's just sort of a dark hooded sort of figure, and I think people read it that way given the, the school's history. But um, it, more indistinct, just again, it's kind of a shadowy hooded figure. Is there any real corroboration for these stories that you get from people? I didn't do any when I when I did my research when I spoke with people I didn't do a lot of digging into history and things like mm-hmm. that mostly what I was after was just the stories more of the the oral history and the and the story of their experience with these things yeah I, I was really kind of thinking of two people having the same experience at the same time in the same place not not, not many of the stories I've had um, usually it's somebody having seeing something and and coming back and talking about it uh, every now and again there will be people where they'll they'll have um, uh, just an oddball experience, uh, an electrical device, a, a toy, for example, a, a motorized car or something that's going without any batteries in it. Both of them see that. How could they, you know, we'll take the batteries out. The batteries are already out. What happened? How, did, how was it doing that? The, uh, this, this area, this whole part of the country, up and down the river, and certainly in, in our vicinity here, is really kind of a hotbed of ghost stories, isn't it? Very definitely, very definitely. Uh, you know, a- anywhere, just go right up and down the river. That that probably has to do a lot with the um, the history in the area. Um, you know, we've got history that goes back. It's pre-colonial, right? It's, it's French mm-hmm. and Spanish colonial. So, uh, and and then the Native Americans here before that, the traders coming through. So, a lot happened, and I, I think that tends to leave a lot behind. Let's put it that way. What is a ghost? I think it depends on the kind of. Um, Haunting you're seeing. Sometimes they're more of a, uh, uh, they'll call it residual, where it, it's it's nothing sentient, it's nothing a lot, it, with any kind of consciousness, it's more of an image, like a recording left on the space. So you see the same figure walking up and down a hall or some, you know, hallway or something like that. Um, other ghosts seem to be, you know, whatever part, that spirit, uh, the, that, that part of someone that's left behind or, or remained behind, maybe is a better way to put it, uh, for whatever reason, uh, some kind of unfinished business or unaware that things have changed. 
in conversations I've had before with, with people who are interested in this subject, they say that uh, it may be just a, what's the remnants of a sudden release of energy from someone who dies suddenly. Right, right. That's, I think, what I often just refer to broadly as something leaving a mark when something happens and you, you have something kind of left behind like that. How did you get into this? And, and have you had any experiences? I got into this, uh, to be honest, it's kind of a funny story. When I was a little boy in my grade school in University City and in the school library, they had a book called Haunted Houses and it had uh, it had photos, some of the very famous photos, the brown lady of Raynham Hall and the uh, the tulip staircase photo. And I was, I was about eight years old, absolutely fascinated that someone could ha- capture something like that on film. So that got me interested in, in reading and, and following up and, you know, watching documentaries or whatever else like that. Um, the haunted, uh, my own research, just doing haunted Webster Groves, interviewing people, was simply uh, on a whim. I was getting ready to go on vacation. My son and I enjoy uh, doing um, ghost walking tours in some of the cities we, we visit. And it just got me thinking, I wonder if there's any in Webster. So I, I went out on the Webster community uh, board and just said, I'm working on a project. Does anybody have any stories? And I had 12 hits in 90 minutes. So there were a lot of people with stories that came back to me. I, I lived in Webster for a long time, and mm-hmm. that was something that always struck me, that there seems to be kind of a, a, a ghost focal point for some reason for this region. There's so many, uh, so many sites in Webster that have been pointed out. Again, I think it's the history. It, it's one of the older, you know, aside from someplace like uh, Soulard, it is one of the older areas, and it was one of the early... Um, what do you want to call them, the early uh, suburban areas, right? The railroad lines followed out from the city, and that's kind of the whole beginning of our whole commuter, if you want to call it, issue here in St. Louis is people in the city and going out to the county. And and you still see that, or you see that back then, certainly, is people in the what was St. Louis and then going out to Webster Kirkwood on the train and going in and out every day. Why would that have any bearing, though, on the spirit activity? I think it just gives a lot more opportunity for uh, the the history. The um, I, I like to tell people when they ask me, you know, why do you think these things happen? And I say, up until 60, 70 years ago, people used to live in their homes. And, and I, I don't mean live in terms of people would give birth at home. They were born at home. They would die at home. They'd be laid out at home. And when a lot of that was farmland out there, they'd be buried in the backyard practically. So... I, again, it goes back to that, that phrase I use about leaving a mark. I think when that much happens in a space, it, it changes what that space is. Is there a most celebrated haunting, do you think, that uh, you're familiar with? In general or here in St. Louis, you mean? Well, both. I, if, if you can do it generally, fine, but certainly St. Louis. I, gosh, I mean, it, it, nationally, probably something like the, uh, the, the Queen Mary out on the West Coast. Uh, that, that ship seems to have a lot... <laughs> of activity going on on it. Here in town, uh, the Lent Mansion, obviously very famous for that. Uh, there was the Plant Avenue House in Webster Groves, probably almost as famous as the uh, Lent Mansion. Uh, and of course, the, all the stories about SLU coming out of the, uh, the case that became the movie and the book, The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. There have been a, a number of stories, too, that, uh, that I've heard over the years about uh, <clears throat> underground railroad hauntings. Are you familiar with any of those? There are some places in town where they have some of the uh, the old tunnel systems, mm-hmm. and they were tied to the the Underground Railroad. Uh, there's a there's a tour that Troy Taylor's group does in Alton, and they'll they'll take you to some of those and show you here some of the places where they used to hide some of the the fugitive mm-hmm. slaves. Did did Edgewood have um, have one of those sites at one point? That was the next one I was going to come to. Mm-hmm. Edgewood Edgewood did, and they they do have some hauntings on uh, on that campus still. 
Let's talk about them. Okay. Uh, one gentleman, it was one of the first interviews I did when I wrote Haunted Webster Groves. Um, he took a, took a job there. He was one of the um, night attendants where his job was to kind of keep an eye, make sure the kids staying there weren't getting into trouble in any way uh, because he was the new guy. His job was to walk the grounds at night, which was especially the new guy job when it was snowing outside, which is what was happening the night that he uh, told me about this or the night he told me about. And uh, what happened was he said I was out walking the grounds and I saw in the distance, I saw what looked like a little girl. And I thought, oh, no, one of these little girls has, has uh, you know, left her room for some reason for the night. And he says, it's snow flurrying. It's you know, not like a blizzard or anything, but it was flurrying. And he started calling to her, and she went around the corner of the building, and he followed her over that way trying to call her. He's, you know, sweetheart, it's, it's cold out here. You can't be outside like this. And, uh, you know, he noticed she seemed way too far away when he rounded the corner himself. And when he finally caught up to her, you know, he says, I was trying to be calming and, and, and calm with her and just welcome her back in and say, you know, sweetheart, you got you to come in now. It's, it's cold out here. It's snowing. You can't be out here. She's just a little white dress, night dress of some kind. He said, I'm holding my flashlight on myself so she can see I'm a, I'm a person, not just some figure in the dark. And I'm, he's approaching her. And uh, as he uh, got within a few feet of her, his description was, he says, she simply just whisked away into the snow just to you know, blew, blew away, came apart like that. Uh, his his first thought immediately, which I've one thing I've seen in a lot of these stories is that uh, people are are very quick to try to rationalize what they see. And his immediate thought was, my glasses must have fogged up here in the the snow, and I'm I'm breathing heavy, and obviously this child's lost, and I've got to. So he went out and he looked, you know, wiped his glasses off, checked the ground mm-hmm. some more, uh, went inside. He said, I'm going to have to do a bed check. Checks the the girls' facilities. All the girls that are supposed to be there are there. Uh, decides maybe it was a, lo- a boy with long hair and a white and a long T-shirt. Maybe I missaw it. So he goes and checks the boys' facilities. Uh, all the boys are there. And he, oh no, I've, I've got to report this. I'm not sure how I'm going to write this up. So in the morning, when the uh, the the more experienced crew came in for the morning, and he uh, pulls one of them aside and says, "Listen, uh, I've got to do this report. I saw this figure. This is what happened." And he says, "The guy looked at him right in the eye and said, oh, you saw the ghost.'" Mm-hmm just like that. So something others had experienced there as well. Well, that that uh, is sort of the kind of the corroboration that I was talking okay. about before. Okay. If other people have seen, but not necessarily with uh, an individual, that's, that's, but it's, it's, it's some other time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the one woman I was telling you about that uh, saw the, the woman in the antique dress, she and her mother, not, uh, not always at the same time. They did see it once at the same time, but saw this figure in the house together. And on separate occasions. I remember the, a story also, and maybe you know something about this, at the Oak Knoll, the former Artists Guild mm-hmm. around the Clayton Road. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with the story there, that there's a presence that people see walking on the upper floor at night? That's as much as I know. There's a figure that they that people see in the upper floors. You know, they'll, they'll think they've locked up for the night, and then they'll see something through the windows mm-hmm. that uh, makes them worry that there's somebody's broken in or someone got locked in after they closed up yeah. for the night. The story as I had heard it was, and this is, goes back to the uh, 1800s, uh, when the house was occupied and was a, was a residence, that the uh, husband was cleaning his rifle outside on the grounds and it went off accidentally and shot his wife, who was walking on the oh, third wow. floor. <laughs> and, uh, well, that's the story anyway. Right. And that... Uh, 
that the ghost of the woman is uh, still still okay. there. Yeah, there are so many of these stories. I was particularly intrigued in one that you've written about uh, about the woman who had an apartment in Webster as she was waiting to uh, to uh, to buy a home in town. She wanted to get used to the community. I'll let right. you pick it up from there. This is the toy soldier story. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I know exactly. This this is one most people really do. Uh, it, it, I get a lot of people leaning in and, and eyes widening as I tell this story regularly. So yeah, she's a uh, she's a hairstylist and. She was looking to move to Webster, um, hadn't really picked out a house and thought, you know, the best way to do this would be to take out an apartment and uh, start to learn the neighborhoods, Uh, you know, take the dog out for a walk, that kind of thing, and uh, just figure out what the houses look like, what areas she liked, didn't like, check check them out, see what's going up for sale, that sort of thing. So, yeah, a little apartment, little tiny places, um, one-bedroom apartment, and what she would do is... uh, Again, small place, so what she, what the layout of it was, you'd walk in, it was an open area, kitchen area off to one side, and then bedroom, bathroom, just a little off the other way. And she had a table that she sat in the middle of that living space. And she would come home at the end of the day, and she would put her purse down on the table, grab the mail, pet the cats, that sort of thing. And one day she comes home, and she goes to put her purse on the table, and she stops because she notices there's a little plastic soldier there in the middle of the table. One of those little green army men like sure. you pick up in a bag at Walgreens, right? And again, I, I mentioned before how people try to rationalize these things immediately. And she told me, she says, I immediately made up this whole story for myself that, okay, so probably what happened was there was a divorced dad staying here at one point. He had the kids for the weekend. They bought the bought him some of the soldiers. They got left behind. They were in a corner of the closet or something. Uh, my cats have nothing to do with their time besides explore and get into things all day. So one of them found it, they played with it, left it on the table. So that's how it got there. And that's what she told herself. But And she said she didn't know why, but she did. She took the soldier, and rather than throw it away or do anything else, she threw it in a drawer in the kitchen and didn't think much about it until a few weeks later, months, six weeks later, she comes home from work, and she goes to put her purse down, and there's another soldier. And not just another soldier, another from the set. You know, how those, those little soldiers, they come in the set, you got the guy that's going to throw a grenade and the guy holding the rifle and the one with the binoculars and that sort of thing. And she stopped, and it's a different soldier. And again, he's, he's standing. And they're not just laying there like the cat played with it and tipped it over. It's, it's set in the middle of the table. She thought that was odd. But again, she rationalized it to herself that, okay, the cat's found another one and threw it in the drawer. And the thing was, this continued. It went, it went on for several months where every several weeks she would come home and find a, a new soldier. She told me, she said, I had the whole set after a while. They were, they were all there. Um, I had asked her, I said, so did you, you know, you talk to the police, the landlord? And she says, what would I tell them? I, you know, the, the back windows of the apartment, it didn't have very many windows. And the back ones, it was a 30-foot drop to the, to the parking lot. And in the front, it was a steel door and one window, and they never looked disturbed. It didn't look like they were broken into at all. So she, she just felt silly, you know, calling someone to say, hey, I think someone might be breaking into my house and leaving a plastic soldier sitting on the table for me. So she didn't do that. Uh, this, like I said, went on for, for some time. She had a full set of, of all these little figures. And one day she came home, and she went to put her purse down, and this time it wasn't, you know, she saw something and it wasn't, wasn't a soldier. Um, it was something coiled there and she leaned in and she picked it up and it was a, it was a bracelet, it was a charm bracelet. 
And this this gave her a lot of trouble because she recognized the charm bracelet, but it's one that she had lost mm -hmm. a few years before. And her whole mannerism and, and uh, uh, tone of voice changed with, at that point of the story. Uh, she had told me some other stories about her home in Webster. She managed to live, move into a home that had some uh, issues with hauntings as well. And those were all kind of fun and, and silly and, and things happening. But this one, it really seemed to affect her. And she says, I, she says, I'd lost that bracelet years before, and I'd lived in at least, you know, three, four other places in between. So it wasn't like I had it packed somewhere and just found it again. It, 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 she's, the, the phrase she used with that was, I don't know what it means. And she moved out of that apartment shortly after that. But that, that troubled her a little bit. I told that story to someone this morning, and uh -huh. the person responded by saying, ah, she made it up. I mean, that's what you're going to get, and I'll bet you've gotten a lot. Oh, I've gotten that. Or, or people say, so, you know, how many crazy people do you talk to? And again, all I can say is I did talk to some people where either what they told me didn't quite jive and I, I didn't use it, or I had a more rational explanation that I was able to come up with. I talked to some people, a story I won't go into, it just had to do with some plumbing in a, in a school and uh, I talked to someone who knew a little bit about plumbing. He said, yeah, I, I don't think that was a ghost. I think that may have been air on the line kind of a thing. But um, generally, everyone I spoke with, I, I do believe what they were telling me they sincerely believed was what happened. And, and they had no reason to tell me anything different. Sure. I'm talking to Patrick Dorsey, who is the uh, author of Haunted in Webster Groves. We're talking about ghost stories. And you know why. It's because Halloween is fast approaching, and a lot of people are going to be talking about ghost stories. By the way, if you have one, we have so little time left. If you have a ghost story that you could tell us quickly, give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know uh, what you have experienced. Now back to Pat, uh, Pat Dorsey. You mentioned uh, a house on plant a little while ago, and I didn't follow up and ask what that was all about. But that was fairly – Plant Avenue on Webster mm -hmm. Road. That mm -hmm. was, uh, that was uh, fairly celebrated. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hans Holzer, who has written numerous books on, on the uh, ghosts and the supernatural, uh, he featured that book in, in – uh, that story in several of his books. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, speak with the, uh, the owner um, – who had lived there since the early 70s. Um, he was a uh, former military man and a uh, scientist and uh, really kind of approached a lot of this with, with a scientist's eye. Um, there were a lot of stories about that house, a lot of the, the kind of things you expect, footsteps on the staircase and, and figures in hallways and lights and things like that. Um, it, it was fascinating when I, when I reached out to him. His, his response to me initially was simply, you know, we've been telling these stories for 30, 40 years, and, and you know, we're, we're just not really interested in talking about them anymore. And, and I understood that. And what caught my eye in his email was when he told me, he says, besides that, he says, the activities really died down over the years. And I, I have some theories on that, but, you know, we're not interested in telling stories anymore. And I, I immediately emailed him back and I said, that's the story. You know, if you're going to tell me that you've, you've got uh, activity that's disappeared, you, you have a theory on why. I can get lots of stories from people about footsteps and figures and windows and mm -hmm. things like that. That that's something unique. And he said, if that's what you want to talk about, we'll we'll talk about that. So I, I got invited over to his home and and we talked for about an hour and a half. It was a really interesting afternoon. How about ghost hunters? Do we have any ghost hunters in the area? Oh yeah, yeah. There's St. St. Louis Paranormal Research and and a few other groups like that where they'll they'll do investigations in in different places. Uh, certainly, even in Webster, the uh, the Theater Guild building, they've had investigators out to look at to uh, look into their hauntings. Yeah. What and what are they all about? 
So the Theater Guild has a lot of activities. Uh, their, their historian, again, took me around and, and told me all of them. They, uh, they have one ghost uh, who's upstairs in the, the theater. The, the downstairs is a parlor area that they, they, have, um, they have intermission and, and receptions and things like that. The upstairs is where the actual theater is. Um, they have a ghost that they call Bud Gus Charlie. And the reason for the three names is they've had three different psychic investigators out, and they've all told them the different names, which uh, I have it on good authority from the people at the Theater Guild. doesn't surprise them because they're, they're ghosts of pranksters, so they think he's probably just told whatever name he comes up with when, when he does uh, speak with these uh, psychics. Uh, this ghost likes to uh, particularly play pranks on the women who are in shows. He, he seems to like, as they said to me, he likes the ladies um, he's done things where he'll, he'll pull on, on skirts while, uh, a woman's doing, doing a routine on stage. It was a kick line for a musical number at one point. Uh, he likes to whisper in their names and their ears. She had a very clear memory of watching when a woman was playing piano for one of the numbers in one show. And suddenly she just stiffened up and, and her playing went all the heck. And she caught her later and said, well, what happened? I, I saw you just kind of stop and everything went off. She goes, I heard right in my ear someone said my name, and I knew there was nobody right next to me, but clear as if someone just leaned in and, and spoke right there. Yeah. Any uh, any cases of malevolent uh, presence, uh, ghosts who are bad? Uh, when I was in the, the ones I spoke to in Webster, no. Um, my, my favorite review I got from anybody who, who read the book came to me and said, you know, normally these things really kind of, they, uh, they scare me and freak me out, and they, they unsettle me for the evening. And she said... I actually found Haunted Webster, it was just interesting. They, they were these encounters with things that you wouldn't expect in, in unusual circumstances, but nothing nothing malevolent, nothing that uh, intended any harm on anyone. It's supposed to be a place in Alton, in a basement of a building in Alton that's got some really bad, uh, bad people have had real bad experiences there. There are places like that. Uh, Fortunately for me, I, I didn't run into any of those or, or, or have to uh, worry about any of that with at least the, the people I spoke with so far. We've got a caller. Let's uh, bring in Mary. She's got an experience to tell us about, I believe. Mary, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Thank you very much, sir. I think it would be interesting to somebody. At 1030 at night, um, something woke me up. I woke up really full, woke up. And I heard a voice. I didn't see anything. But the voice informed me, and the room was full of intense hate. And the first thought in my mind, I had never done anything to anybody to hate me in such intensity. Okay, it told me it had to leave. It did not want to leave, but it had to, and it wouldn't be back. And uh, the only thing I could think of, I don't know why it it was telling me that it was going to leave. I wished it had not woke me up and just <laughs> left. Okay, so I never had that experience before or since. The only other thing in my house that I did have experience with was right uh, right at the foot of the bed, I've got lined up a lot of different little things, knickknacks and stuffed animals that um, I picked up in uh, thrift, not thrift stores, garage sales and yard sales. They're all real cute, but when I woke up that day, 
they jumped up and down, and that's not normal. <laughs> Mary, okay, our, our time's running out. Let me just see if uh, Pat wants to respond to that. Ever heard one like that before? I've not heard anybody awakened yeah. too much with a voice like that. Uh, the Plant Avenue house, the, the woman who lived there, she, she did have a story about being awakened as she was nodding off for the night, feeling something tucking her in. And oh. she said, you know, it was one of those things where you, you're suddenly wide awake and thinking that was that was a nice thing, but it, it's not helping me go to sleep at this point. <laughs> I'm going to try to bring in Greg. If he'll tell his ghost story in 30 seconds. Hey, uh, thanks uh, for taking my call. Uh, long story short, uh, my grandmother had a house in the Lafayette Square neighborhood, and she had converted it to uh, uh, upstairs with the apartment where me, my mother, and my sister stayed at. And my mother's friend had passed away, but they could never find her uh, her jewelry box. And so my sister woke up one morning and was like, Mama, um, Chris came, and uh, was, uh, I had a dream about Chris, and she was trying to tell me something. So we got up that morning to go downstairs for breakfast, and we hadn't even said anything to my grandmother. My grandmother said, oh, well, the judge, so she came by here last night and just stood by the uh, bed and spoke to me. And went on back there, and I heard her walking up the steps. All righty. Well, that, that freaked me out. Yeah, well, I think it would freak out a lot of people. Yes. People do get freaked out. Our time is uh, winding down, but, Pat, tell us what you're going to be doing tonight. You've got more ghost stories to tell. You'll be telling them at uh, the Bookhouse in Maplewood? Absolutely. So uh, tonight's going to be what we call a candle game event. Uh, candle game is a, a game based on an old Japanese uh, spooky storytelling game where we gather in a in a uh, small space we got a lot of people uh and and we have presenters authors actors whoever even people who have come just to attend for the audience if they want to get up uh, we'll have an open mic period but uh, we'll just be telling stories by candlelight for a few hours tonight sounds like a lot of fun and that's at the book house uh, on manchester in Maplewood. pat dorsey thanks for being with us and helping us get halloween the halloween season off to a spooky start absolutely thank you for having me on great, appreciate it great talking to you Podcast episodes of St. Louis on the Air available at stlpublicradio.org or you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, the Google Podcast app, or elsewhere. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.